No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. John Dornbos played for 14 seasons in the NFL, primarily as a long snapper. He's also an accomplished magician. And now he is the author of a book as well about his life and his advice for those going through hard times. John, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you, guys. John, what happened to you when you were 12 years old and what happened to your mother? Um, It's a horrific story, um, and it is in some ways the beginning of this remarkable journey of yours, which has taken so many twists and turns over the last – 39 years. You you grew up in Seattle. You're 12 years old. You go off to school one day. What what happened that day? So when I went home, uh, I learned that my father had murdered my mother, uh, and it was really bad. He used a bench grinder and a sledgehammer and killed her in, a, in the garage of our house. So at that point, and, and you had had, as you describe it, an idyllic childhood. Um, what where did you go from there? Well, so my dad ended up going to jail. Uh, he was tried for second-degree murder. And at the time, the max penalty in, in the state of Washington was 13 years. So he was convicted and sentenced to 13 years. Um, and then my sister and I lived in a temporary foster home for about a year, year and a half, where we went through probably the most intense therapy you could possibly imagine. And then eventually we moved down and were adopted by my mom's sister, my Aunt Susan, and we moved down to Southern California. How did you try to process that as a 12-year-old, what had happened? Uh, Therapy. I'll tell you that. Therapy saved my life. And the fact that my sister and I uh, had family around us that wanted to see us succeed and want to see us come out of this. So um, it takes a long time, and it takes waking up every day thinking that you're going to wake up from this nightmare and that none of it's true. And then eventually... Um, one day it just kicks in that this is your reality. We're speaking with John Dorenboss, the NFL veteran, the magician as well, accomplished magician. He's a frequent guest on Ellen DeGeneres' show as well. Um, what role did football play in your life after that traumatic experience? Yeah, so uh, I, I go to high school, and a buddy of mine says, yo, you should play football. And I'm like, no way, dude. Football's for dorks. I like magic. And so <laughs> uh, eventually I went on the football field. And he, he I'll never forget, he told me, you can hit that guy and not get in trouble. And I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. And now, you know, look, I had some anger. I had some uh, resentment and just things that have been kind of um, building up inside of me since, you know, what happened with my family. And so sure enough, freshman year in high school, I hit the football field. And during the day, I could go hit you and not get in trouble. And it was just a natural outlet for all my aggression. How good were you? Uh, Yeah, I was pretty good pretty quick. Uh, I was a linebacker, tight end, fullback. But uh, as a linebacker, uh, believe it or not, I didn't really know the game of football. I didn't really understand it. Pulling guards and the technique of it, uh, I, I didn't understand all that. But I had a natural instinct to just go to the ball. And so I was a linebacker and um, just go tackle the football. That's what I did. We're speaking with John Dorenboss. His new book is Life is Magic, My Inspiring Journey from Tragedy to Self-Discovery. You get to the NFL. You're an all-pro. You spend a long time 
in the league. Um, at, at that point, you know, being being a celebrated NFL player, um, had you had you dealt with all the issues from your past? You know uh, that I I had thought about and wanted to see my dad. Um, but nothing in my life ever stemmed action. Nothing caused me um, or triggered me to actually execute that. And so um, I end up getting married and my wife gets pregnant. And I realized that before my daughter's born, it's time for me to go see my dad. Why? You know, so eventually I, I flew to Spokane two weeks before my daughter was born. And I realized that I wanted to relive that relationship. I wanted to sit there. I wanted to look at him in the face. I wanted to feel the hurt, the pain. I wanted to feel the betrayal. And I wanted to look at him and think about what our relationship should have been and what it could have been and what it wasn't. And instead of uh, having resentment about that and instead of um, repeating it, meaning I think a lot of people, bad things happen to them and that becomes an excuse for why uh, maybe they don't succeed in life. I just didn't want to be that person. So instead I realized that if I can find motivation and the worst thing that has ever happened to me, and instead of repeat it, change it and find motivation to be the best dad that I could possibly be and the best husband that I could possibly be, then I'm going to make this world a better place. So right before my daughter was born, I went and saw my dad. I spent five and a half hours with him for the first time in 26 years. And I said three words that I'd never said out loud. And I said, I forgive you. And I forgave him for being lost. I forgave him for making a mistake. And I wanted to have closure with this part of my life as I was about to become the dad that I never had. What do you think you got out of that meeting? All the things that you wanted? I did. You know, and I I went there realizing this. And a lot of people say, I don't know how you can forgive somebody for what he did. And I, I redefined forgiveness. So for me... You know, for a long time, I think forgiveness meant that it, it was about winning and losing. If I forgive him, then that means I'm okay with what he did. And that means that now we can be buddies and just go on with our life. I wave the white flag and it is what it is. And I realized that forgiveness for me was about being okay with who I am, having closure with my past, um, kind of um, having the circle, you know, come full circle, if you will. And I, I forgave him for being lost and I forgave him for making mistakes. And for me, that was enough for me to move on. That was enough for me to have closure. And I got everything out of it that I wanted. I wasn't there for him. I wasn't there for answers. I wasn't there for validation. I didn't need explanations or excuses. I just wanted to go and relive that part of my life and relive all those emotions to realize what I didn't have and to realize what I missed out on so that when I walk away from it, I can just sit there and say, I'm going to be the dad that I never had to my little girl. We're speaking with John Dorenboss about his life and his new book, Life is Magic, My Inspiring Journey from Tragedy to Self-Discovery. The magician part of you, um, how did that help you deal with the things you were going through? You know, after my mom was killed, um, I lived in a, a foster family for about a year and a half. And then I saw a kid named Michael Groves. He was a 16-year-old magician do a trick changed my life. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I then saw a guy on TV named Bill Malone. And I realized that when I sat down and shuffled cards, the world quieted. It was the, it was the only time that I wasn't thinking about the adult issues. It was the only time I wasn't thinking about therapy, my dad going to prison, losing my mom, foster homes, moving. I could just be a kid. And so 
I got really good at it really quick. And all my spare time, I sat there and shuffled cards. And that's when the world became magic, and that's when the world quieted. How, what, what kind of uh, reaction would you get when you talked about your magic, did your magic tricks in NFL locker rooms where you spent so many years? Yeah, well, so when I first got into it, I didn't do tricks for, like, years. I, I just literally worked on moves and practiced. And so, you know, when I finally came out to do tricks, they were pretty good. It was a lot more than people were expecting from at the time, a 14 or 15 year old kid. Right. So when I got in the locker room, you know, if, if all of a sudden your buddy says, Oh, Hey, hey, my buddy can play the guitar. He's pretty good. And John Mayer shows up and shreds the guitar. I, I kind of became that with cards where people would be like, Oh my gosh, you got to see Dornboss. He can do card tricks. And people are like, Oh yeah, this will be good. And then all of a sudden you just open up fury uh, and, and deliver completely over the top, really cool stuff that people don't expect. Um, you get one shock factor, and people love it. Who's your hero in the world of magic? Ooh, I got a lot. You know, I, I ended up meeting this guy named Ken Sands, who uh, became a mentor to me in Southern California, and he's got a magic shop uh, in Orange County called Magic Galore and More. And you know what was really valuable about this is. Uh, he didn't always just teach me a trick and okay, hey kid, here's the trick and this is how you execute it. He helped me discover who I was as a performer and he helped me realize that magic is a tool to create a relationship with an audience, whether it's one person or whether it's an arena full of people. You know, musicians use music and music becomes the way that they communicate and they relate. Well, if you do a show and your magic trick is the end all be all, you get a golf clap. But instead, if you do a show where there's emotion and meaning and feeling and the magic is just the key that brings everybody together, oh, man, you're going to open up a world of, of real magic. And so I'm so thankful that he taught me that lesson. You know, it would be fastful, I guess, to make the connection between someone experiencing a horrible trauma as a kid, your mother being murdered by your father and then losing himself in the world of magic and that that would somehow fix everything. But how did magic and the kind of thinking that it requires to achieve in the world of magic, how did it make an impact in your, as you put it, journey of self-discovery? I got lost and I got lost in magic and I got lost in the, in what magic did for me. And so when I say that I would sit down at a table and I would shuffle cards and work on moves or tricks and the world quieted, it's, it's the one time I didn't think about everything. And so what happened is my brain would be processing life without me realizing it. And I think that's a powerful thing that uh, if we can each find what our outlet is to where the world can quiet and we can enjoy the moment but still process, it's a powerful thing. Your identity as a football player, as one of the best in the world at the game of football, doing what you did for so long, so successfully – um, people thought of you first and foremost as a football player. How did you think of yourself? You know, I never wanted to be defined as a football player. I never wanted to be defined as just a magician. You know, instead, my, my motto has always been, don't become what you do, be who you are, and love it, and give it everything you got. And so I don't think I ever had, you know, especially when I was done playing, I think a lot of guys uh, have like an identity crisis or, uh, you know, they're trying to find what their new purpose is. Uh, and for me, these are things that just make me me. And every year I played, I thought I was getting cut. And so in the offseason, I would go perform. April would come around, I'd still be on a team. And so I'd show up and next thing you know, 15 years went by. <laughs> um, but for me, 
not putting that pressure on me that I have to play football. And if I don't, what am I going to do? And how am I going to make a living? I played this game of football because I loved it. But then when the season was over, I just went and continued to live life. And then another season would start and I loved it and I was all in. And so don't become what you do, be who you are and give it everything you got and just have it be a, a piece of you, have it be a story for your grandkids, but realize that all good things come to an end and something else will start. And so that's, that's how I've lived my life. A couple of years ago, though, you faced um, a life-threatening situation. W- what happened? How did you deal with it? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was with the Eagles. Um, I had just broken a franchise record for the most consecutive games ever played. And then the team said, hey, we want to trade you. And so it wasn't exactly what I was expecting to hear. You know, I kind of thought I was Mr. Eagle and I'd retire an Eagle. Um, so they ended up trading me to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I played one game in New Orleans. Their doctors then came in town and I did a physical. And sure enough, they discovered that I had a, a heart condition. So they sent me down to the hospital. Uh, I did a bunch of tests. I came back. I was getting ready for practice. And I got a phone call from the cardiologist and the surgeon uh, at the Louisiana hospital. And they basically said, hey, your heart test came back. It's not what we expected. You're never playing football ever again, and you're going to be in emergency open heart surgery probably in the next 48 hours. What were you thinking? I, I got angry, and I got a little bitter, and I got a little, you know, be, became a victim, right? Like, this isn't the way this is supposed to go down, and uh, this isn't the way that my career is supposed to be over. Look, I was newly married at the time. Uh, I had just signed at 37 years old. I had just signed a three-year extension for more money than I'd ever seen. I was in New Orleans. And starting over and kind of having to reprove myself, I felt like I was 25 again. So I thought I was on a roll. And then this is the moment. And uh, this is the moment that I think happens to everybody. It's when we have a plan and life's going great. And then you know what? Life happens. And there's a moment there where we either live in vision or we live in circumstance. And, And I think it's natural that we all live in circumstance. We become a victim and we start talking to ourselves in a negative voice. And then that's when I have to force myself to sit down and rewrite my story. And so that's what I did. I, I found a different meaning for why I was there and what the purpose of me being there. And I had to come to terms with this really, really quick and find find the positive. What was the medical resolution? Uh, so they discovered that I had what's called a murmur, which a, a murmur means that there's blood leak in places that it shouldn't be. Uh, and then on top of the murmur, I had what's called an aneurysm in my ascending aorta. And so in layman terms, there's a vein that leaves the heart that carries all the blood into the body. And that vein should be about the size of a dime or maybe a nickel. Uh, and an aneurysm is when a part of that vein or aorta, it starts blowing up like a water balloon. So there was a piece of my aorta that should have been the diameter of a dime or a nickel, and mine had blown up to be um, the size of a soda can. So mine was six centimeters. Uh, if that pops like a water balloon, you're literally dead instantly. So uh, I was told that every time I hit the field or I ran, I had a much higher chance of that rupturing and dying than living. And so I flew back to uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Philadelphia, University of Penn had the number one guy in the world named Joseph Bavaria who who performs this surgery. Um, I had about an 11 and a half hour surgery. We were in the hospital. My wife and I were in the hospital for well over 30 days post-surgery. Um, and the surgery was successful. And uh, I'm, uh, I got a ticker that keeps on ticking now. We're speaking with John Dorenboss. His book is Life is Magic, My Inspiring Journey from Tragedy to Self-Discovery. And so many ups and downs, um, so many uh, difficult things to overcome and so much to celebrate. Many people know you from your appearances with Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship. It, you know, she's been amazing. And she was a show that I always wanted to go on. 
And so a buddy of mine basically said, John, you should do America's Got Talent. And I'm not, I'm good, man. I'm good. He goes, do the show. So finally, uh, I ended up doing the show. I become a finalist. And that show introduced me to Ellen. And when I went on Ellen, I would do tricks and I would try and theme them in fitting with what her and I both believe in. And that's be kind to one another and, and try and inspire the world to be a better place um, than what it was when we grew up. And so her and I got along and she has me on there all the time and has been in my corner and, and tried to help in every way she possibly can. So I'm so thankful for uh, the professional relationship and the friendship. And she's just an amazing woman. You're a dad. Now, as we've discussed, um, you're a husband, you're a successful magician. Um, you, you've got this book out. Um, you know, when you, when you look at your future now and the things that you still want to achieve, um, the messages that you want to send to the world, what's paramount? You know, when I had my daughter, something happened that I, I didn't really expect. I didn't really think about. And I realized that you can't preach to people, right? You can't tell people what to do or what to think. They got to feel it, believe it, and become it. And so I realized that my daughter is, is watching me, and my daughter is observing how I treat my wife, and my daughter is observing how I treat her. And a buddy of mine told me that if you aren't the man that you hope your daughter meets one day and marries, then you better change the things about you and become that man that you hope for her to one day meet. And it hit me. And so I think for me, Life is now about being this role model for my daughter, who is just my whole world. And so that's professionally, that's personally, that's that's taking her around the world, that's showing her things and just watching her grow. To me, that's paramount. And everything else will just will just happen. How do you think you're going to deal with it when she's old enough to tell her about your parents? Just be honest, you know, and, and you know, one of the things that I was really proud about this book and, and finding forgiveness, having my dad. And, and the tools that I had throughout my life and the things that I would tell myself on how I have closure with certain parts of my life and how I've found forgiveness. And when I was done with this book and my daughter was born, if something ever happens to me, it was really cool for me to think about that one day my daughter will be able to read this. And this is the story of her daddy. Like this is forever. And so um, I'm a pretty honest and open person. And when she's old enough and she asked me about grandma and grandpa, then I'll sit her down and I'll tell her. Because when I was 12 years old, I had a lot of reality that was thrown at me, a lot of grown-up issues, and I had to face a lot of truths that, that most 12-year-olds don't want to face. Thankful for the truth, and that, that's what will be with her. John Dornboss's new book is Life is Magic, My Inspiring Journey from Tragedy to Self-Discovery. He played more than a decade in the NFL, two times a pro bowler. And a finalist on America's Got Talent, season 11, a frequent guest on the Ellen DeGeneres show, uh, and a sought-after corporate speaker. John, thank you so much for taking the time to be on The Sporting Life. Hey, thank you. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.